You know, I've been watching this fantastic show on Netflix called Barbecue Showdown. They just released their second season. And what a triumphant victory. Uh, joining me in studio is my good friend, Cameron McGetrick. <laughs> He's here to talk about <laughs> He's a that grilled him. goodness. Yeah. I mean, one of the best pieces of television I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Mitch, what do you have to say about you know, it? You were saying this earlier, and it was a really excellent point, that never once in watching reality TV show have you ever seen a contestant and dialed in that this is your person. And then you see them carry the torch all the way to victory. I mean, an astonishing win from, I'm going to spoil it, so if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, from Big T. What a triumph. What a triumph. I mean, the way that he roasted that pig, extraordinary, extraordinary. And those sides, don't even get me started on on the the biscuits or sorry the uh, the cornbread muffins my goodness and the the black eyed peas the collard greens and the way that they roasted the pig yes there was a bit of char on the top but what a victory yeah and it's fitting uh, to introduce this with an episode of uh, an episode focusing on the second Ouija film directed by a a great modern horror filmmaker Mike Flanagan because Big T uh, he made a few flank states. Flank steaks, Shory, on that show where um, I said, yeah, I could eat some of that flank again. Very nice. Very... Do you think yeah, this so is a real been, show, we've Corey? Celebrating, we've been celebrating, you know, I, I just poured, a, I poured I don't out some champagne. How we watched about four hours of it today. Really good show. Liam, are they ever going to stop? It's the best show on Netflix. I think it's the best show. I mean, yes, we just spoiled the ending for you. So you'll have to watch season one. I haven't watched season one, but, you know, once Cameron and I get back to watching the... Once we watch the first season, I think we can dial back in and touch base with you guys again. Wait, once we watch the first season? Yeah, we just went straight to season two last night. And I've watched about, like, five hours of... of, of Of Barbecue Showdown. And one of the best things about Barbecue Showdown is that if they're going to send a contestant home, right, and there's a tie, you have what's called a Barbecue Showdown, where the two last place contestants go head to head and a triumphant grill off, right? They're cooking over the flames. And they've got the bespoke wood that has, you know, uh, monogrammed special wood. They got hickory, they got oak, they got every cut of meat you could imagine. New York strip tomahawk steaks they got crab they got they're doing seafood they're doing everything it's an incredible show yeah i mean it all looked pretty delicious (laughs) very nice well i'm glad they made another one that's awesome barbecue show i can't believe nobody laughed at my mike flank again i laughed it was oh, very okay. good. It was, but great. I was also just sort of beside myself. I can't. Can I make a? I, I'm gonna. I, I feel like I need to say this. Um, I can't believe we spent all this time getting ready, and that was the bit you guys. Had ready. <laughs> I told you it was I just mean, gonna be earnest, I bro. Can't fuck. No, I'm yeah, not, no, I mean it's no, like, but like we're genuinely excited about this. I, it's, it's genuinely <laughs> great. I mean, what 
like wholesome television. I think you watch other culinary shows where there's Gordon Ramsay and he's screaming at people, or even worse, John Taffer rescuing bars. And don't then we like have... John Taffer? I mean, he's a bad man. No, but like, no, he's, he's a bad man. He's a bad. I think man. he's a showman of the of the worst variety. I think but, he, he but drags people through but the don't mud. Don't we enjoy John Taffer? Am I wrong? I engage with John Taffer on a level of entertainment, but sometimes I think there's a mean streak through him. You watch a show like Barbecue Showdown. And it's just, it's like home cooking. It's like your home, and it's... And you're cooking. And you're cooking. <laughs> you can just relax and live in that, in that good, delicious barbecue on the screen. Mitch, if you can settle a discussion Corey and I were having before you joined the call... Uh, we between, don't need to do this. Between, I want to know. Between you telling us you were going to talk about Barbecue Showdown on the show because you were so excited, and you joining... Is your enjoyment of Barbecue Showdown and your watching it ironic or not? Now, hold on. Found, like, is is there an element of irony? It does not have to be exclusively ironic. Well, I think at first, last night, Cameron and I started watching it ironically. We just watched a couple episodes of the new I Think You Should Leave. And it was really funny. And then we He's watched He's just here for the zipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was a great bit. And um, then we're just like, oh, what's this? Netflix wants me to watch Barbecue Showdown? What's this? What's this? And we just started like halfway through season two. Now, I'll say the only thing that was at all irony about that was in the thick cuts of beef. <laughs> With all the iron in there? Exactly, yeah. yeah they're so iron. Yeah, they're very irony. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's beef. It's so true. It's it's been beef the whole time, and you know, there's not really that much beef between the contestants. There's beef on the grills, but love it, love the in their hearts. I think the one thing that disappointed me was the lack of cold beers next to the grill. Liam, did that answer your question? Yeah, it's it's it kind of you know, my what enjoyment I of was. barbecue showdown personally was completely unironic. Like it was. Like, we tossed it on because it was, like, a barbecue showdown. That looks kind of funny, but it ended up being, like, fucking top-notch. I think it might be one of the best television shows I've seen this year. Yeah. Fair enough, dude. That's what I figured. Based on how much you were talking about uh, how you liked it, I thought this this has to come from a pure place. Well, Mitch and I were going into the last four episodes tonight, and uh, we said that if Big T won, we were going to get completely obliterated. In celebration. And, uh, and I mean, Big T took it on. The rest <laughs> is history. Wait, wait, wait. I, may have, I may have poured champagne after he won. So, and here we are. <laughs> are these 40-minute episodes? 20-minute episodes? Yeah. 40. 45, 40. Yeah. They're 45-minute episodes. So you said you were watching this for five hours. And you say four episodes ago, you made the, the assertion that if Big T wins, you're going to get obliterated. So you decided that after one episode? Is my math correct on that? No, we watched uh, we watched uh, a few last night and then like picked it back up to finish right, it today. We right, started right, at right. like one forty five. Got you. Okay, so it took a few episodes for Big T to really work his way into your bones. We did make a trip to the beer store as well. Well, Big T was our favorite contestant, but like he made the finale and he won it all. 
wonder if we can get Big T on this podcast. We're not talking about Logan either. I think Logan is a very respectable. He was the other semifinalist, and he comes from California culinary roots. Uh, he describes himself as a hipster from Southern California. Big gauges in his ears, but my, I mean, the the culinary technique and the and the imagination that he has. I think that he really brings a, a distinct style and like. Uh, artisanal craftsmanship to, to cooking I think also I think different culinary traditions I mean he made a Peking duck in the in the second in the semi-final episode the, the second last one I think that was it and um, what an extraordinary dish I mean the way that he glazed it just beautifully beautifully and a big big tea Big T faltered here and there. They were doing a Brazilian-style barbecue where they were cooking dishes over or cooking meat over swords, uh, over fire, right? Hanging them on swords. And uh, that was pretty incredible. And Big T, you know, his sausage all fell on the fire, but he still pulled it off. Every great hero tale needs those those moments of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, something about the fucking, the country boy, you know? You... You face adversity in the pit, and you overcome it. City slickers don't know that so well. Ain't that the truth. I love it. Barbecue showdown. Between barbecue showdown on this episode and Corey talking about Gundam for 40 minutes on the Flintstones episode, I think it's about due time for me to pick my moment to uh, ramble on about some sort of esoterica. I'll find my slot eventually, when you least expect it. Barbecue Showdown is hardly esoteric. It's it's top build on that taking over the world right now. Yeah, it must have got newly released season two, hey? I think yeah, it's, it's pretty recent. Yeah, it's it. brand new. Yeah, Big T is doing the the U.S. media circuit. We saw him the top ten as the top pit master in in America. I mean, just a a, a triumph. I, I just can't begin to express how pleased I am with his victory. Fair enough. Well, I guess if you ask the right people, Gundam isn't esoterica either. So I need something that is niche enough that not everyone knows it, but also if it falls on the right ears, you're going to have legions of people who are passionate about it. So every movie that Mitch has ever picked on this show. That's right. That's right. If I could only be passionate about just one of them. Speaking of legions, how about those uh, those damn souls on the other side waiting for people to talk to them? Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and in the words of Lena, do you speak Polish? And with me, I've got Liam. Splitting up sounds like the stupidest idea in the world. Also, in the words of Lena, for people keeping score at home. And Mitch. In the words of demonically possessed Doris, there's treasure in these walls. There was nowhere near that much whistling. I don't think a child's mouth can whistle like that because they're not like, they don't have like, like the weird tooth problems of an old person. What are you saying about Mitch? Does Mitch have those problems? No, he's doing an impression of having those problems. I've never even had a cavity. <laughs> I said impression. But could a kid not do that impression as well? No. I, I won't well, I won't I won't elaborate as to why that Corey is. Or doesn't believe in children? Uh no. I don't believe in their ability to achieve success or sustain it. Corey hated the children in this movie. And every other movie. 
none of them were successful and none I take of them back will achieve success. All of the nice stuff I said about that Matilda musical. Especially the collaborationist. Stop. That's <laughs> enough of that. Um this is not to the dismay of some a podcast primarily about barbecue showdown. It was briefly about barbecue showdown. But Mitch, I'm afraid fuck, we man? have something else we have to talk about. All right. Is that so- the origin of evil? Yeah, is that something you Not think you barbecue can manage? Showdown. I, I mean, we have no way of knowing if Barbecue Showdown is or isn't the origin of evil. It's the origin of everything good in the world. The origin of good eating. Man, I'm just confused. <laughs> Weed, you're talking about this show isn't about Barbecue Showdown. I mean, it, it just can't be exclusively about Barbecue Showdown. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It just it has to be about at a certain point it has to be about a movie. You know what I think might be the origin of evil is all this wildfire smoke. Am I right? Oh man, that's what's got us deranged. It's definitely just the wildfire no, smoke. No, it's you motherfuckers yeah. that have us deranged. Isn't it fitting that we took in this show to such a huge degree when like literally the entire outside of Ottawa smells like a campfire? It smells like a barbecue showdown out there. Yeah. Corey, have you seen how uh, on Spotify you can create polls on episodes now? Yeah. We should try to do that, and we could do one uh, that's titled Guess Which 50% of This Podcast is Sober. See if people can figure it out. What do you mean? Would the answer be 66% or half? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, never mind. Guess which 25% of this podcast is sober. Wait, what? Carry on. I don't understand that. I feel oppressed. Um, I don't think this... I don't know if this has been good yet, uh, so let's talk about the movie. <laughs> um, I had COVID the other week, so I wasn't on the podcast, and uh, William Castle did the work for me. What a gentleman. And... As a result, we are watching, um, I, I just had to stop myself for a second because I was going to say the word wrong again. You're going to say barbecue showdown? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I'm like mildly, I'm like very, very mildly disappointed that a movie I want to have an actual conversation about that I want to take like relatively seriously is also the barbecue showdown. <laughs> Sometimes life just works out like that, I guess. I guess. Um, but we're here to talk about uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Not to be confused with Ouija, Origin of Evil. Different thing entirely. Um, Liam, I have a question for you first. Sure. Um, before we watched this movie, you said that... I shouldn't look it up, so I didn't find out what franchise it was in. Is that correct, first of all? Yeah, and I only said that because you made the hilarious observation to me after I told you that William Castle had picked Ouija Origin of Evil. You said, I don't even know what franchise this is in. I don't know what this is. And I thought that was hilarious. So I figured if you don't know, you might as well keep not knowing until we get here. So here's the problem I have. I still don't know. <laughs> uh, do you have a guess? No. 
Like, so here's the problem that I'm facing. Because at first I was like, oh, maybe this is like a fucking sinister spinoff or something. Not literally sinister, but in that vein. You know what I yeah, mean? Fair, yeah, fair like, enough. Insidious Blumhouse guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's the shared like, like Like Annabelle. Yes, 100%. Yeah. But I, I can't tell what it's supposed to be connected to. Okay, so... All I know is Mike Flanagan made a movie about a Ouija, a Ouija board. Right, and you f- you felt that way before watching it, and now yeah. after now that you've seen the movie, uh-huh. do you have has it given you any sort of clue? I mean, I can only assume that there's another Ouija board based movie, but I that feels like the underwhelming answer. It's the correct answer. It, there's just another Ouija movie? Yes. Yeah, there is. It's there, just, yeah, tw- there, there's a 2014 film, Was right? there a third Ouija movie after this? No, this is, is there, it. Th- he they killed the franchise. It up for one. So there's just a movie called Ouija. Yes. So that's what the post credit scene is about? Presumably? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, um, yeah so... Then I got confused again. This makes me sound really dumb, doesn't it? Um, what else is new? Um, I got confused further because when I realized that a uh, friend, personal friend of the show, Mike Flanagan, directed this movie, um, I thought that that was the reveal, but then I didn't understand why you used the word franchise. So I was like, well, I don't know what that is, but I found out that Mike Flanagan made it. And right. then I just that didn't really bring me any closer to knowing what was going on. Yeah, no, well, yeah, that that wouldn't give any clarity as to why this movie is is on the list of sequels or prequels. Yeah, um, but I I fully thought we were in like yeah like insidious spinoff conjuring spinoff territory. I mean that honestly it, it makes a lot of sense. This came out uh, along with, along with that boom. Those movies are much more popular. Uh, at least they have they take up a lot more of the uh, public consciousness than the movie Ouija does from 2014. Um, the reason I just, I thought it was funny is, is simply because like, it's not really hidden in the title. Like you just take away the subtitle and that's, that's the first movie. It's, it's the Ouija franchise. Right. But at the same time, a movie could just be called Ouija origin of evil and there'd be no Ouija one to speak of. Sure, and that's kind of that's what you thought might be the case, and then you thought, well, what is how what is the connection? Yeah, right. So Ouija t- from twenty fourteen passed you right by. Absolutely, hundred percent. Gotcha. Again, I don't think twenty fourteen. I don't think uh, I would have been like, what's the latest horror movie in theaters? I need to go get there. Mm-hmm. It was a little before me. Do you remember this one coming out, or do, have you heard anything about it, or you this is also new to you? I think I had heard of it. I I didn't see it. I mean, obviously, um, I don't know if I remember anything about like how it was received or what like the atmosphere around the movie was like. But I I knew it was out there in the ether. Um, I evidently did not realize it was. Mike Flanagan, and when I say that, I should clarify, I am certain 
that during our Doctor Sleep episode, I probably said that Mike Flanagan made a movie called Ouija Origin of Evil, but I don't commit that to memory, right? Like, I just read a list for a minute. Sure. So, yeah. like, quote unquote, I knew that, but, like, I didn't, I didn't really. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's all kind of Greek to me, dude. I don't really know what's going on. Cool. Well, I'm I'm excited to uh, that this is your introduction to the Ouija franchise, and I think for a lot of people, is that it a was. phrase that people use? The Ouija franchise. Like, do people do people talk about these two movies like this? Even no, 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 no. The that's the thing that's kind of interesting about this franchise. I mean, I've, I don't know what else to say other than franchise. Like, do you ha- need a third movie to be a franchise? Maybe, maybe some would argue that, but um. The, the first movie, the only other movie, Ouija, or uh, as some weirdos say, Ouija, um, yeah, okay. it actually it made a lot more money than Origin of Evil. It was a lot more popular. It made like 20 million more. It cracked 100 million at the box office. So it was actually much more of a, of a success, but no one ever really talks about that movie anymore. In fact, um, this movie has a lot of the reputation it has because it is so much uh better and more memorable in terms of general critical and audience consensus than that first one so yeah is the is the first Ouija movie's biggest crime just being forgettable in my opinion it is I I have seen it um and yes it's very forgettable very formulaic um it's PG thirteen as well, you know, uh, and this movie's PG thirteen, so so that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but I do think PG thirteen horror movies have to work a bit harder to be memorable because you can't have um, uh, some of those gnarly horrific images that are that are more memorable. Um, so yeah, I th- I think it is. I think it's very forgettable and 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 bad. I mean, I think it's not just a it's not a a middling movie that is forgettable. I it's think an it outright is, it bad is, movie. It is quite bad, but it's it's not it's not excitingly bad in the way that it can also get a reputation for being bad. So. Yeah, so it's like a movie that had its moment where like you go to the Cineplex and it's the weekend and you want to see a scary movie and you watch it and it made a bunch of money that way. Yeah, yeah. And then like that was just kind of horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Mitch, had you, what was your Ouija with the first movie only? Like, did you see it? Were you aware of it? What was the, what was the deal with that? Well, I can remember when it came out and I remember seeing reviews for Happy it. Happy Pride Month, were too- LMAO, that's my joke for that. <laughs> um, I remember when, <laughs> when Ouija came out. <laughs> uh, and, and when his brother Waluigi came out as well. Um, <laughs> I'm gay Luigi. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I remember when the when the film was released, uh, and it got like mixed reviews, and I didn't go to see it. I liked the idea of it though, because I I think Ouija boards are are fascinating, right? And there's a really rich history there with with uh, you know skeptics debunking them and and how how far back they go. And I feel like a lot of us probably have an experience with using those boards. How far back they so, are? Aren't they made by like Hasbro? <laughs> Yeah, into the mid nineteenth century. I mean, like Michael Faraday, who invented the Faraday cage, was was describing the effect in eighteen fifty three. I have the I have the Wikipedia in front of me right now. Okay, <laughs> some nightmare alley shit. Yeah, they go back a long way, and so it's interesting. Um, 
But yeah, no, no experience with the original film, but definitely experience with Ouija boards growing up. Did you, you did do it? Oh yes, yeah. Did, did fact, you have did any with, haunted experiences? Cameron and I actually used a Ouija board in my house. Did you get in the ninth, In the ninth grade. Um, we turned, we didn't actually have a proper board. We used a Delicio pizza box. Of course uh, you uh, did. <laughs> It was a pizza pizza? Talk to the ghost of Papa John. It was, it was pizza pizza. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's the ghost of Papa John's career. <laughs> it's an angry ghost. <laughs> um, so, like, you, like, wrote out the alphabet in, like, yeah, yes, yeah. No Did you do it in QWERTY? Oh, oh by the way, to answer your, your question earlier, uh, Ouija boards date back to 1890. Anyway. Um, so you... Yes. Your pizza box board. Your pizza box board. Yeah, we, we pizza box board in my house. My parents were gone. Was the planchette just a slice and of pizza <laughs> with a hole carved out of it? My sisters, Paige and Devin, were there. Friends of the show. And Ka- friends of the pod, yes. And Cameron was there. And our friend, John. And He's not one a other of person. John died other, that night. A couple other people. John was terrified. And we made the planchette, I think, out of a piece of cardboard, too, or something. I don't remember what the planchette was made cardboard out of. Cardboard, too. The sequel well. to Cardboard. But we were moving the, our, our hands on the board, and we were all kind of scared. And we asked the spirit what its name was, and it was Daya. D-I-A. And Daya? Daya. I really mispronounced I don't Dia. know if that's how you would say that. Easy there, Ouija boy. <laughs> Daya was a six-year-old girl who died in the 1880s. How do you know that? Because we asked when she died. And it's interesting, because, I mean, I grew up in... in uh, kind of in like the west end of ottawa and i feel like that it was like that part of, of of the country was all just like farmland in in the 1880s in <laughs> fact there was this there was this old stone farmland? uh this old stone fence <laughs> this, this old stone fence that we used to walk along behind my house in the woods that was the remnants of an old stone fence from like the 1880s but so we were we were all like very thoroughly spooked out after Daya was summoned, and I don't remember if we asked her any questions, but we split the board into seven pieces, and I think we set it on fire in my yard. Cameron, do you want to back me up on this? Uh, I just remember it scaring the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> and definitely the like, most I've ever been scared by a pizza box. Did you, did you guys say you were in like the eighth grade? Like you were like thirteen at this time. Nine, like twelve, grade. thirteen. We were, th- we were like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Wow. So wait, Liam, are you saying that because you're surprised they feel they still found it scary? Yeah, fucking losers. So, dude. so Liam, I'm gonna tell you something that well, dude, it it felt it felt real. Dude, it was a pizza box. <laughs> like our, no, but our our hands were on that. Our hands were on that thing, and it Liam, they spelt out Liam. an incomprehensible first name. Scary, <laughs> dude. Yeah, my yeah, Daya. It's like you just did it. Give you a pronunciation guide. Yeah, look and up the name Daya as someone who died in the man, 17th you're trump, century. You're Show me how many results grave. you get. Well, no, because no, but, no, no, we're not crapping on you because Liam. Do you not remember that? Like, okay, everyone called Princess Diane Daya. You talk to Princess Diane with your pizza box? <laughs> Who's Princess Diane? Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to make any exceptional claims here, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and, it was, and she died in like the 1880s? 
Yes. Yeah, she was six. <laughs> yeah. So what does it tell us what happened? What happened in that tunnel? She probably couldn't even spell her own name. It was the <laughs> 1880s and she was six. I don't know, man. The Welsh are fucking weird. <laughs> you heard it here first. So true. So, um, fuck me, dude. So, Liam, here's, the, here's what I want to back that. I want to back them up on something. Now, it is worth acknowledging that it was a pizza box. And... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but what's more legit, a pizza box that you do that with yourself or something made by fucking Hasbro? Like legitimately. Neither. At least the answer is neither. But um why? I don't know. I'm just saying stuff cuz I want to just make the point that I need to be true to myself and and just say that if I were in a room where people were trying to do a Ouija board on a pizza box and I was 25 years old, <laughs> I would probably still be uncomfortable. And I know, I and, I, and I know that because when I was a kid, maybe slightly younger than what you guys are describing. Um, I believe, I guess my sister and a couple other people, I don't remember who literally just drew a Ouija board on a fucking piece of paper. And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> the spirits, they don't discriminate. They don't discriminate. Bro. I was like, I, I was once, like, I am not sticking around to see what happens when you fuck. Once ghosts. we all got drunk in my buddy, Michael's basement and he drew a pentagram on the floor with candles and he tried to summon demons. Did it work? No, but he also grew, drew a pentagram on his chest. It was crazy. We were all like, it's gotta be earnest for the demons to listen. Yeah. Right. As long as it's an earnest pizza yeah. box. I feel like the, the demons just knew we were shit posting at the time. But I, again, like I know people who are like who consider themselves to be mediums, and they all say you shouldn't fuck around with that shit. With the very gravest of warnings, they say once you open it, once you open that box, you put it on the table. There's pizza inside. But where it's like opening a door? That's why you gotta. That's why you gotta door. say goodbye to close the door. Yeah, you have to say goodbye, and you're supposed to treat the demons with respect. Yeah, Liam, what the not fuck? Not the demons, the spirits. You're not you're not going out looking for demons ordinarily, although we were. I'm hunting at that for time. demons. Demon hunter. So, Liam, question. Yeah. So you don't believe in Ouija boards? I don't. Any no. of them? Have even you ever the, done a Ouija board? The, even the ones oh, made by course. Hasbro. Countless of course, times. Liam has. Of course. Tell this us is about Liam. Your... This is Liam Leonard. We're talking about. <laughs> I'll do Tell one right more. now with my with my laptop keyboard. No, okay, Liam, I'm holding no. my finger over the keys. Is there a ghost here? Uh-oh, it's spelling fuck you. I'm so afraid. Uh-oh, it's spelled bagool. Dude, could you He's imagine? haunted my laptop. I'm about uh, to be unfriended by bagool. Uh-oh, it's spelled Clancy Brown. Could you imagine oh. if, if a Ouija board spelled bagool and it just kept going back to the U and you would think that your friends were fucking with you? Dude, just like, a big, long bagool? Like 14 U's in a <laughs> row. Well, I th bagool's not really a print guy. He's more of a visual medium kind of guy. I honestly yes, I still do don't it. understand why there were books in that movie. He was an author. Yeah. The only book I'll accept is a handwritten Ouija board. <laughs> so, um, Mitch, had you seen the, uh, the, the Origin of Evil movie before today? He didn't have to see it. He lived it with his fucking pizza box. <laughs> Dude, dude, you're talking no, a lot of no. you're talking a lot of shit for somebody who's about to get haunted by Dyer or whatever. 
Bro, we split the board into seven pieces and burned Why it in my seven? yard. Why seven? That's what you're supposed to do. And that's how many pieces According of pizza they had eaten with it earlier. According to... That's what you're supposed uh, to... They didn't even do that in the movie. Well, that's because they're fucking dumb. That's why they all died in this movie, That's why Corey. the demon... That's why they still didn't get rid of the demon in the end of the movie. Should have just they didn't split break it, it into, into seven, seven pieces. pieces. They're fucking dumb. They just burned it. You got to break it into seven pieces. You're Everybody knows that. Christ, it's, it's like it's like the easiest it's thing. Day I mean, one, it's day one. It's elementary. It's first yeah. grade SpongeBob. Yeah, people always talk about the Clintons with Pizzagate, but they forget about Princess Diana. They really, they do. You're so right. Um, so you still think Princess Diana died in the 1880s, or what's the deal with that part? Yes. Okay, great. So who died? Who died in the tunnel that day? Uh, whoever her driver was. But who? The, but she was there. But she was dead in the 1880s. Abraham yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Right. So should we should we talk about the movie now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you were asking Mitch if he if he saw this movie, and I was being a dick. But no, no, Mitch, no. Have you seen this? That movie? was extremely funny. <laughs> No, I haven't. Cool. Until today. You did watch cool. it today? It wasn't last night? No, I watched it today. You said you were uh, going to do I it last to, night, but okay. I meant to watch it last night. Didn't get around to it. I watched it today largely on an exercise bike. Why were you sizing in the smoke haze? Well, it was in my room. Were your windows closed? Yes, but uh, I feel like there was still a gap with like the AC, so my room's still a bit smoky. Uh, for any listeners, there's forest fires that are all around where we where we live, and the air quality index is very poor. I think everybody's gonna remember this because it's the day that New York looked like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, New York was like the most polluted city in the world the other day, and I thought I was gonna be walking here, but I guess I should stay inside, because um, in New York they say that. Uh, yeah, I can't think of New York City ever having that much smoke in the sky. No. I don't know. I was born before 2001. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even clue into that one. Yeah, so this movie's directed by a friend of the podcast, Mike Flanagan, who listeners may remember from Doctor Sleep, a movie that we think is good. It's worth probably yeah. reiterating that. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, also... Um, Oculus. Great movie. Gerald, Not Dr. Sleep great, but good. Gerald's Game. Good movie. Before I Wake, starring Jacob Tremblay. I haven't gotten to that one, and, and I want to, because I really love Jacob Tremblay, but it got caught up in, um, uh, I guess not development hell, but the phase after your movie is made, but but it's not getting put out. Uh, yeah, um, like Arrested Development. Distribu yeah, yeah. Distribution <laughs> sure, yeah. hell, basically. Yeah, distribution hell. And this then it dropped on Netflix uh, around the time of Gerald's Game, and I just, I never, never got to it. And uh, then we've also got his two big shows, or three big shows, pardon me, The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass. Does he, doesn't he have a fourth show? Yeah, well, he's uh, he's he's kind of got a bunch that that he's um, he's got some part in. His other one right now is uh, the Midnight Club, right? And uh, that is, uh, I think, crucially, not to be confused with the hit PS2 video game Midnight Club Three Dub Edition. Dub Edition, yeah, it's the 
I've never heard of it. Oh, fuck. I was really hoping Haunting that. of Hill House is incredible, honestly. It is incredible, Cam. Haunting of Hill House was the kind of series that I, I told my mom to watch, knowing she does not care for horror in the slightest. And she would text me after, like, watching the second episode and be like, this is too scary. But then she finished it and absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's 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 good momcore. My mom actually recommended I watch it because I was sleeping on it, and she it's such she watched series. it like three times in a row. Yeah, no. it's, fucking it, killed it on that one. It is amazing. Anyway, I really hope that one person listening laughed about my joke about Midnight Club Three Dub Edition. I wish I understood, bro. Uh, it's really funny, I, and if I and if you know you. the cover of the game, it's like a very iconic look. Um, if you know, you know. Uh, this movie is also uh, written by Mike Flanagan and edited by Mike Flanagan. Um, but he wrote the movie alongside Jeff Howard, who has co-written on a bunch of other stuff he's also done, including Before I Wake, Oculus, Gerald's Game, The Haunting of Hill House, and Midnight Mass. <coughs> the movie uh, is based on characters created by Juliet Snowden and Styles White, which I'm assuming is Ouija. Yes. This movie is shot by Michael Fiminari. Liam, does that name ring a bell? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, this made me laugh. Oh, the way this made me laugh. We already knew that he shot this movie. I guarantee it. The reason we knew that is not just because he also worked on Doctor Sleep and a bunch of other Mike Flanagan material and an unrelated movie called the 12 dogs of Christmas that I just wanted to mention because that's a funny name, but, um, he shot and directed the Mm. final two films in the the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. The, to all the boys, franchise of films uh was that a guess on your part or were you i thought you were intentionally taking the wind out of my needlessly no. long build-up no 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 i didn't i didn't know there was oh. a guess. yeah no you got it absolutely correct cool what made you think that i don't know dude as as you just heated up whichever the the trail of breadcrumbs you left it just kind of led me there it felt modern uh you said that he had done 12 dogs of christmas so i knew he wasn't uh, opposed to doing utter shit and well, so hang on. To take a guess we have not seen the 12 dogs of christmas <laughs> that's true that's true i guarantee you in like a couple years i'm gonna have the thought i should go see what the fuck i was on about with those to all the boys movies and i'm just gonna wonder mm. where that came from that's my guess if i had to put a guess in the sand um, but maybe I'll just ride or die forever. You never know. Maybe. That's the joy of this podcast, though. We can eventually do, like, 20th anniversary episodes and see what we were on about. There's a new show in that series. It's getting a fucking spin. That movie is getting a television show spinoff, so we could just do it again if we wanted. Fair enough, man. It's got is it still going to have the same lead and stuff? No, it's a better sister. The oh, little yeah. one. I, I like the sister. Yeah. That's cool. Shout out to Kitty. It's her name. <laughs> it's also the name of the show, I think. Damn, um I like it less now. Because it's, cause it's not the 12 cats of Christmas. It's the 12 dogs of Christmas. 
Um, for the so, do you guys remember the Hills Have Eyes? How could I forget? Remember how that was a weird music credit? It was Tom and Dandy, all one word. True, that was a weird music We've credit. We've got another interesting music credit on our hands. The music is by the Newton Brothers. The Newton Brothers. They were a hit song and dance men in the 30s. The Newton Brothers. They used to let up the stage with tap dancing. Yeah, they. Uh, you know that move where you jump up and do the splits down the stairs and then the guy behind you Yeah, jumps they do a real lickety split. Yeah. Uh, they also did uh, Doctor Sleep, Midnight Mass, uh, The Midnight Club, uh... The 2020 remake of Grudge, uh, Open Water 3 Cage Dive, The the Bye Bye Man, uh, a segment of the anthology film Fun Size Horror Volume 2, the TV movie sequel Dungeons and Dragons, The Book of Vile Darkness, Oculus, and then they were in the music department for uh, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Good for them. Yeah, they secured the bag. I don't think they were the outright composers. It said music department. So, I don't know what they did in there, but... They played the the triangle. They played the triangle. Okay, so here's the cast. Um, we have... I, f- I found it interesting. This is another case of the Wikipedia page and the IMDb page had completely different billing order for the cast. Which I always find kind of weird. Yeah, it's up to you then. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Who do you think deserves top billing, Corey? Honestly, if I was deciding who got top billing, that's a good question. If I was deciding who got top billing, I think it's Annalise Basso as Lena. Whoa. Maybe. Only because they would never give top billing to a child. (laughs) Yeah, um, she's I, on the I feel poster. Like, like yeah, Lulu but because uh, she's on the, Wilson. Yeah, but because she's on the poster, they wouldn't put her top billing. Because I think realistically, that's who you would top bill. But they would never give it to a kid who's like eight years old. So I was like, "What's the next closest thing?" And then I decided it was that. There is always like pulling rank, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, in any case, she's a child. Case, but she has the like. I think she's the most significant role. In any, Lulu Wilson. Well, in any case, Lulu Wikipedia Wilson. decided it was the mom, so we're gonna start there. All right. Um. Elizabeth Reiser or Reiser maybe uh, as Alice um, have you guys seen the Twilight movies no yes. in fact we ought to do them in fact there's a lot of people who said we should there's a lot of people Paige Devin Abigail Megan a bunch of other people okay um, I can tell the anecdote about me walking out of Twilight Eclipse for the fifth time on this podcast um, no need she was in the all of the Twilight Saga movies as uh, Esme Cullen, who is the who is the mom of Edward Cullen. Just for if in case you didn't remember, uh, and also was brought back uh, into the Mike Flanagan universe for the Haunting of Hill House, and was also uncredited on a show called Sports Theater with Shaquille O'Neal. Uncredited, yeah. She was probably a she, kid. She was she was Shaq's stunt double. Yeah, she played the she, <laughs> she played the ball. And then if we go according to the Wikipedia cast list continued, we do have Annalise Basso who plays Lena. Um, the credits tell me that that is short for Paulina. Apparently, I don't know if that's like critical lore to the first Ouija movie or not. Uh, yeah it is because she's old yeah because she's older she's an old character in the first one so and an old person could never be called lena 
I guess she just she had to change it at some point. That's not me anymore. I'm a changed woman. She does become a changed woman. So, um, she was in Slender Man. The oh, Derman was she? Yeah. Uh, Cameron would be losing his mind right now if he were here with bedtime me. Bedtime stories. Out. Uh, the TV show Snowpiercer, and a movie that sounded like it might be the kind of coming of age movie that Liam might enjoy called Standing mm-hmm. Up. Is that is the sequel sitting down? <laughs> is that new? No, but she's in it. Oh, okay, no, I don't know it. It's so my understanding of the brief plot synopsis that I read is that there are two kids at a summer camp. There's a boy and a girl, and they get like really viciously bullied, and they end up getting like stripped and left in the woods and like really fucked around with at this summer camp, and they have to like team up and like come together and through the power of like like friendship and mutual understanding like bond through a difficult situation and get back to like normal stuff which sounds like something that might be up your alley that does sound like it it could be good it also sounds like it could be quite bad it really sounds like a coin flip but yeah but if it was good i think that would be really good i'm looking it up here it was directed by the dude who did disturbia which i'm quite a fan of so maybe i ought to check it out there you go there's some options never say this show never did anything for you uh, and then inexplicably on the Wikipedia cast list, I say this just to point this out, the next credit is uh, Lynn Shay as Old Paulina, who's great. Lynn Shay is great. She's in the movie for like 15 seconds. So I don't know why you're listing that before Doris. That's kind of crazy. I, I guess because she just has to be attached to uh, to to Lena, you know, like she's got to be right beneath her. I guess, yeah. So you can see them back to back. Uh, and then we have Lulu Wilson as Doris, who uh, is in in the movies Becky and The Wrath of Becky. Yeah, dude, I just learned that The Wrath of Becky exists Me too. this week. Um, I've known about <laughs> Becky, and I've wanted to see it since it came out, and I just learned about The Wrath of Becky, and it was in top contention for uh, my pick this week. And I don't think I'm going to go with it, but I want to get to it at some point because that's, that's TMAO material. 100%. Uh, she was also on uh, Sharp Objects. Oh. I always meant to watch that one. I never saw it. It's a great book. She was in Cop and a Half, New Recruit, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, which I mentioned because it felt like a movie that somebody here might have seen. Just gave me a vibe. I don't know if anybody did. Uh, My Catholic upbringing. And Annabelle Creation. <laughs> And The Haunting of Hill House, again. So that's th- three credits, two people who were back for Haunting of Hill House so far. And then we cut to uh, Father Tom, played by Henry Thomas, which is mm-hmm. awesome, uh, who you'll remember as the kid from E.T. <laughs> um, or perhaps if you watched Psycho 4, The Beginning or Fire in the Sky, or Gerald's Game, or perhaps The Haunting of Hill House. So we're now yeah. three for four. Or Dr. Sleep, we would have talked about him there. Yeah, Haunting of Bly Manor. He's also back for that Flanagan as well. Um, and then we've got Parker Mack plays Mikey. He, he hasn't really done a whole lot, to be honest. Um, Kate Siegel plays Jenny. She was on the haunting of hill house and also midnight mass and also was in the wrath of becky 
oh. which isn't even a Mike Flanagan movie. It's just weird overlap. Uh, Doug Jones plays one of the funniest credits we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just read it? Yeah, I'm following along do you, here. Do you want to jo- say it? Doug Jones as Ghoul Marcus. <laughs> Ghoul Marcus, I, Doug Jones is like everybody knows Doug Jones, man. No, needs no introduction, Doug Jones. That almost sounds like my Stardew Valley character, who's named Dung Jones. That that sounds like a Doug Jones. Pun. What happened to Garlic Jones? I don't know, but Dung Jones lives on Stink Poo Isle. That's the name of the farm. Yeah, it's funny that Henry Thomas playing Father Tom as well. Like, his nickname was Big T. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Hallie Charlton um, as Ellie, who was in How to Blow Up a Pipeline recently. Small part in that. Great movie, that, by the way. Um, and, I, nice. and I endorse everything it's saying. <laughs> um, Is that a... Th- I mean, they, you, the, the opposite of that, actually? No, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know what it's saying, the way you laugh, I feel like. I mean, I laugh because, because the joke would be that I was encouraging people to go blow up pipelines mm. on, on like a recorded audio format. Right, right, right. Um, and it's certainly a risky joke to make around Mitchell Oil Baron Kudrowski. Yeah, it might get under his skin a little bit for sure. But, um,. Why can't we all just get together and have some good old-fashioned barbecue? But for legal liability reasons, I would like to clarify that I'm not encouraging anybody to blow up any pipelines specifically. That's right. It would be highly, highly illegal to say, I want the listeners of this podcast to blow up a pipeline. <laughs> That's the most illegal thing. Super can, illegal. Super illegal. Totally, totally, completely illegal. <laughs> It's not illegal, however, to say that we meet under the <laughs> under the bridge at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's not illegal at all. <laughs> After the pod. After the pod. Um, Liam, that's such a good sketch. <laughs> I know, dude. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Trevor. Um, Big T. Um, okay, and then we've got Alexis G. Zoll as Betty, we've got Sam Anderson as Mr. Browning, we've got uh, L. Keats as Ellie's mom, who was in Insidious Chapter 3, so... Which Corey has famously <laughs> never seen. <laughs> we've got, well, she, I don't, I don't remember who she played in that movie. Uh, we've got Nicholas Keenan as Walter... Uh, we've got Lincoln Melcher as Jack, who was in the movie Alexander and the Horrible No Good Really Bad Day. And we've got Michael Weaver as Roger, the dad. The only credit I wrote down for him is that once on Monday Night Raw, he played somebody named Dwayne Mullet. What? Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. Maybe he had something to do with the headbangers. Maybe. That's so weird. Normally people that guest on Monday Night Raw, if they're not like playing themselves as celebrities, they are wrestlers. Maybe so it's very maybe, interesting. Maybe Dwayne Mullet's a wrestler. Up. Maybe he wrestled. Maybe. I wanted to say Michael Weaver, his ghost, Roger should have uh, just suplexed the ghoul Marcus in this movie. 
that dastardly ghoul Marcus. Um, that's that's everybody. So this movie is about the dangers of showmanship. I think more than anything else. There's there's shades of Nightmare Alley. Shades there. of Nightmare Alley, like domestic Nightmare Alley type beat. Um, so this movie is about a widow and her two daughters who run a fortune telling business that is built entirely in a foundation of lies, and they they bring people into the home and they do like fake. She doesn't like when they call it seances, but I forget the word that they use. Um instead of seances so we're gonna go with seances um where they trick people into thinking that they're talking to their like deceased loved ones to get closure and whatever and the mom's rationale being oh like we hope people feel better it's nice it's whatever uh older kid doesn't think it's it's that great uh younger daughter seems seems down and then is is mystified by the addition of of a ouija board to the game uh lena goes to a house party she wasn't supposed to be at plays with a ouija board and tells her mom like hey it might be a good addition to the act and then they get a ouija board and uh uh-oh uh it appears that the little girl doris has been possessed by ghoul marcus and uh that slowly kind of unravels and the sister and the mom and the principal of their school need to try to get to the bottom of that uh before bad things happen and and boy how do you do that um I think that covers it. We'll get into it. Mitch. Mm-hmm. What did you think about uh, the Ouija origin of evil? <sighs> it's an ominous sigh for you to take. Well, I think there's some things that this movie does really well. Firstly, I think the decision to make it a period film, like a period piece, is really good. I think not enough... Um, horror films that are contemporary kind of swing for that or if they do swing for that they don't do it well and I think that this film does um, I like a lot of the thematic occupations of the movie that we're talking about like the idea of, of doing a quote unquote freak show talking to the dead and the dangers that that ent- entails um, but for me the film didn't fully land i think it's a good movie like a pretty good movie um but there were times throughout the film where i found myself bored and the climax of the film didn't blow me away i thought that the the climax being which which part the final set the final set piece where they go to um confront the demonic spirit okay like in, still in, in the house, house. not it, like the stingery stuff at the end and no okay. no no not that in fact the i actually thought that that was i thought that that um final sequence like the the um the epilogue if you will was was actually pretty well done um but i love the period of, the, of like the early 60s and, and how they kind of navigate um, all all this sort of supernatural hoodoo in, in the first half. I think that that's all really fun. Um, and I think that the opening scene with uh, that establishes the the griff that they have going is really d- well done, and uh, how they're luring in desperate people and and kind of playing with them. But as the film progresses, I I found myself losing uh, interest, which is a shame because I I, I read that like. 
a lot of the influences in this film are movies that I like films like, uh, you know, like the exorcist or, um, uh, the changeling, right. Movies that I, that I really, really love understated horror films. Um, but this film isn't terribly understated. And I think it, 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 it's reaching for something greater, something like those horror films that I like, like the exorcist. I mean, I see a lot of, uh, parallels with characters like father Tom, um, but to me, it, it didn't quite reach those heights. But I do think that you could watch this movie and have a pretty good time with it. Um, it's, it's definitely not like the worst uh, sort of premise, but I was kind of hoping for more um, from this premise. Because I think that the idea of using a, using a Ouija board as a, as a sake of divination and, co- and contacting the dead is, is so fascinating. Um, that I, I think there's there's more that I, I would have liked to see, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I think like if I were to give this movie a star rating, I'd probably give it like a six or a six and a half. Um, I think there's some really exceptional performances in here. I think Do- the the young girl who plays Doris does a really exceptional job, and I think the effects that they use with her character, especially the effects like with her jaw dropping almost to the floor and she's shrieking. Um, but I think like there's a lot of issues with, with um, just the way that the characters act with each other in relation to the situation that kind of just makes me want to shout at the screen and be like, come on. Um, and there's a lot of moments that are just in dark rooms that kind of drag. So for me, it's a pretty good horror film, but not a great horror film. And Liam, what about you? I really love the novelistic approach of this movie. I think that it it pays attention to its characters. Um and I I really do get invested in their in their journey and their motivations and um in this sort of uh family drama that pushes this along for for a good amount of the runtime. And we we don't get our first uh, evidence of anything supernatural going on until 20 minutes into this movie. And in a movie that's uh, just a bit over an hour and a half, a mainstream teen targeted horror movie, that's pretty surprising. Normally you get uh, a little taste of the supernatural within the first five minutes. Um, and this movie doesn't do that. It's it's a lot more patient. I really like that about it. Um, and yet, something has just never quite connected all the way with this movie for me to make me love it the way that I I wish that I did because I'm a big fan of, of Mike Flanagan, all his work that I've seen. Um, and I really love the, uh, the ambition of this movie, the intent of it, to be a prequel to um, a run-of-the-mill, based-on-a-Hasbro board game horror movie. Um, you know, it's this is from the jump. When they announced this movie, a lot of people would be rolling their eyes at it, a sequel to the movie Ouija. Um, and I think it's really cool that Mike Flanagan dug his heels in and said, no, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it the way I, I want to do it. It's going to be a period piece. It's going to have um, these... Uh, these little hints of the past and these homages to these old horror movies that I love and it's going to be character driven and I really love all of that um but by the time it's over I think that 
my enjoyment of this movie just sort of has a ceiling to it. And I've seen it about three times now. And I think that my my appreciation for it has grown each time in that I've liked the character stuff even more. I like spending time with these characters. But I still haven't broken through that ceiling. Um, and I think that ceiling comes from it being a, uh, a paranormal PG-13... Mm, uh, approximately 90 minute movie I think that it it just has to get to its climax um, it doesn't get to its climax quickly I was going to say that but it actually takes its time getting to its climax but once it's in that climax I think it it sort of follows the beats of a uh, a typical modern horror movie a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah, PG-13 horror movie, definitely. Um, I'm not crazy about the effects used here. I think they're used uh, um, to varying degrees of success. Some of it I really like. I really like the the scary stuff seen in the background out of frame and out of focus. Um, and I, I like the staging of some of these scares a lot. For example, when we get the reveal of Doris on the roof of the basement, um, I think that's a great one. So I, I don't doubt Mike Flanagan's ability to create suspense and tension, um, but I, I just can't love this movie the way that I wish I did, I think because it's still kind of being held down by having to be a, a sequel uh, to this um, to this PG-13 horror movie. I think, to me, I like it about as much as I might ever like it, which is more than I ever should like it. Um, so it's a big compliment. And it's no surprise that when Mike Flanagan is given a bit more to work with, like the long runtime of Doctor Sleep or the really long runtime of Haunting of Hill House, and he's able, he's able to do what he's doing here, which is focus on the characters and really pace out those scares. And he's able to do that to an even greater extent. Um, and so I think this movie is, is really impressive what he was able to do. Uh, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't go all the way into love it territory for me either. And now I want to know what Corey thinks. Well, shouldn't we ask what Cam thinks? You asking me? If just in case. Um, I love family drama combined with horror. And I also love the fact that the cinematography is done by a guy who basically seems to have the Italian version of like what Mike Flanagan is Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Michael Fimagari. Fimagari, yeah, maybe. Like it's striking. That's a very good point. It almost makes me wonder if he has like an Italian pseudonym for cinematography because he didn't want to be like, oh, I'm doing it all. He, he <laughs> Alan Smithied himself into the cinematography role. That would mean Mike Flanagan yeah. made the To All the Boys I Love Before movies. Interesting thought. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff like that in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, like... I don't know. I mean, perhaps the question you s should have started off with there, Corey, is, is Cam, did you see this movie? No. Right. right. But 
I saw George W. Bush stage the assassination of Princess Diana to justify the <laughs> Iraq War. He didn't do that. And that's directed by Mike Flanagan. It is. This is a Bruder film was directed by Mike Flanagan, and it shows George W. Bush stage the assassination of Princess Diana to kick off the Iraq War. But yeah, no. I, uh, I haven't seen this film. I like Mike Flanagan. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Um, 45 minutes into watching the movie yesterday, I went into the Mortal Podcast Discord server, uh, and they, there's a tab in there that's just called Spoilers. And I, I wrote it in here, I guess, because it was sort of about the movie, but it also was kind of about this podcast, and I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll just put it in here. And I said, uh, I think Ouija, Origin of Evil, might fucking slap with a bunch of question marks. Like, it might go extremely hard. 45 minutes in, and I'm just kind of losing my shit. <laughs> um, and then I did say, you know, it could always drop the ball at the goal line, but, you know, for now, it's uh, it's really going. Um. I don't think this movie drops the ball at the goal line. I think that's a an overwhelmingly too dramatic phrase to use. Um, I do think this movie starts to outgrow its constraints by the time you're approaching like 20 minutes to the end, which is kind of what you guys are already saying, which is that like it does have bounds of... Um, yeah. <coughs> it does have the bounds of um, being... PG-13 or 14A, I guess, depending on where you are. When I watched it, it said it was 14A. So, like, you know, be careful with the 13-year-olds or the movie, I guess. That's Um, insane. Super bad was 14A in Canada. Was it? That's what it said on Netflix, at least. Holy fuck, that's insane. There's no way that's true. I'm just saying, for context, why would this be a 14A? They probably just wanted more people to be able to see the best movie of all time. Super bad gonna get a look at those warlocks um a glimpse (laughs) a glimpse but um uh no i think that i was i was iffy on the movie early um as it was sort of establishing everybody because that process was very cliche riddled riddled and the whole movie's oh you think so hey well I I think I found that a lot of the ways it felt like the characters were relating to each other felt very familiar. Um and as fun as it is that they're like a family band doing a séance basically. Um I don't know, something about that early process I wasn't completely sold on and then Somewhere pre-Doris possession, it clicked, though. And then once that process continued, I was, like, completely on board. Um, Though I do think it loses some of the edge. I actually don't think that that is totally hampered by the climax itself. Though I do think the climax feels rushed. I think it's the climax in tandem with the sequel stinger or the fact that it's a prequel. I think that's what makes it 
land even worse actually i know mitch said he thought that that was pretty good sorry what, what part we're we talking the about po- like after the climax when they do like the she's in the hospital whatever shit and then like they tee up the i like the aesthetics of that i think i think like cosmetically it works and i think like tonally it, it, it's interesting um narratively i'm not so sure like i think the whole the whole uh, twist especially in the post-credit scenes kind of ridiculous yeah i think it's um, really stupid and it i think it really undercuts a lot of the good work that the movie does beforehand i think this movie's biggest hurdle is that this family cannot succeed like like yeah. it is predest it is well, predestined that they will fail because they made a movie called ouija in 2014 i think i think i mean i know you're still talking about your thoughts um I think it's it runs deeper than that, but you can keep you going. What runs all. deeper than that? It's 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 problems. Well, yeah, I think uh, yeah. that it, it we can get we can it get also kind of yeah keep going um, because I think that the I feel like this movie coalesces better and can do a better ultimate conclusion of what Mike Flanagan is trying to do with the character work if the family is allowed to succeed. Um, I think you want to see these characters succeed. I think you were endeared to this family. Um, they go through a lot of shit, obviously. And I think that it would be a more satisfying overall narrative experience if that were allowed to happen. Uh, also, Liam, I should clarify some of the cliche stuff. Like, I'm thinking about, like, the kid sneaks out to a party, has to go get picked up by her mom, and it's bothering the daughter, and they, like, argue and, like, you know, like, shit like that. Where mm. it's, like, there's a lot of... Okay. Or, like, lines... Like, there were certain lines... I wish I had written more of them actually down, but I found myself rolling my eyes a lot at just, like, the... We're doing very formulaic setting up of this dynamic here. Um, mm. But once this... When this movie hits its fucking stride, dude, it's so good. Um, I think... I think the opening Ouija sequence is great, and and I Same. think that kid getting terrified when the mom comes in is very funny. Um, I love that. It's scene. so funny. It's very. It's really well executed. Uh, Liam was talking about how a lot of the scares through the midway of the movie make use of what would otherwise be empty background space. I think that is an extreme highlight. I think that that element of the scares shows a lot of respect to an audience that in a PG-13 movie might not otherwise get it. Um, I think that Mike Flanagan is taking this seriously, and I think you feel it throughout. Um, This movie's got flair in the scares. It's got flair in the production design. It's got flair in the way, like the way the period is presented, like the feeling of warmth and um, like baked in nostalgia by virtue of it being the past and like how the visual actually feels. And you have like the, the film hole burns and like these, these like unique aesthetic elements that are really, really great. And you have some really like daring camera work, frankly, like, I think like the 60s schoolyard stuff yeah, all plays out interestingly cosmetically. Like that plays out interestingly cosmetically. Um, the, the shot wh- that goes from Lena standing in the doorway and the camera spins down to Doris like being in the bed and like also possessed and it's both like a 
relationship splintering thing and that they're both on like different planes but it's just being communicated to you visually like they don't need to just come out and hold your hand and say it i think that's great um the shot of the ouija board when they first get it and like the camera spins along with the board great uh the shot through the planchette eye and you see like little demon stuff but you don't totally know right away great like it, it's using tools that aren't usually in the pg-13 horror movie toolkit really really effectively and it's not just like the fact that the ouija board scene at the beginning has like cool mood lighting or like they that is a beautifully, is beautifully shot, shot. Scene. and it's not just that like oh we have a split diopter and we're gonna use it and the the pool lighting. yeah but um it it's got flourish and it's comfortable using it and uh it's actually like I, I was so struck by when the demon stuff really cranks up because of how restrained it feels before that in that like you're seeing a lot of stuff in the background like Doris is just like standing there or something in the background of a shot and you're like well what's up with that that's weird or um, just like using the Ouija board and like when it just starts moving on its own but it's not like a big like music sting happens right and it like snap cuts to the board and you're like freaking out it's like very um patient and i think that when they finally go all in and oh my god with the arrival of ghoul marcus is fucking nuts and what scene is that um i am choosing to identify that as doris is looking in the mirror at herself in a big black red-eyed demon monster appears yeah so you like that i i did like it um cool i was just so shocked by it that i kind of couldn't help but like it because it had been so relatively reserved up to that point and then i was like oh i'm sorry they're showing a demon shove its arm down a little girl's throat (laughs) like it felt very sudden and unexpected i wasn't expecting the movie to go that far visually um and given its restraints on outright violence um because of the rating i thought it was a fairly gnarly looking thing can we uh can we talk about the about the the writing and and the structure of, of the scares and the spirits maybe uh like what did you think about that i mean what did you think about like the whole backstory because i feel like in these in these movies where there are exorcisms or whatever there's always the part where the priest comes in and he starts laying down and being oh no this is a a false shepherd and blah 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 and this film i think gets into the weeds and is is honestly really quite clumsy when it gets into the the angle with the with the polish the whole world war ii subplot with polish immigrants and a sadistic doctor and all of that and it's like where is this going what is this building to i think you look at the influence of this of this movie apparently the changeling is one of them and you look at how that story is constructed and the history of the ghost in the house in that particular movie and and the role that it plays and the ambiguity of that spirit and how it it's colliding with George C Scott's character in that particular film and i think it's really nuanced and really special but but this film with the the backstory of the ghosts and everything i i feel it's really clumsy and it's not that satisfying aha sort of uh revelation it just feels kind of forced um 
I definitely think the the exposition that happens in order to to explain this to us in the climax, the revealing of where this evil is coming from. I do think it is forced in that it just feels like something mandated that you have to do in the third act of this movie. Um, so many movies have this. Um, uh, modern the, the ghost change, movies. The changeling doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Modern, but, modern ghost yeah. movies have it. And uh, I think um, if you've got to go there, I do think that this is a, a, a pretty good interesting version of it i think henry thomas delivers the monologue well um i think it's uh i like having him have the uh the seance scene beforehand where he he came in to try to trick the ghost and uh and did some research and now he's he's telling the family about it um but I think once it's it's all said and and revealed, I think it sort of just feels like something that you could put in in any old uh, ghost movie of this type. I I wish that it had a bit more weight to it. I think um, yeah, it you know it it feels to me like this is something that Mike Flanagan would put in a in a a horror movie that is not entirely his because it has to tie in to this franchise um and so i i it doesn't feel very uh personal or um emphatic to me i think it, i do think it 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 works um on a on a base level um but i do think that if if it was a bit different uh this movie would would be uh pushed up to that greater ceiling in fact it does sort of confuse me after it all comes out like uh, even though i'm invested in the in in the story uh that is being told i'm wondering like are these ghosts then like why are they so mad at the at the people who live here if they're the ghosts of the of the good people and not necessarily it's not just the ghost of the well, it's a, it of said the don't psychotic use it in a graveyard, Liam. It was in the rules of yeah, the well, Hasbro board. You look board at, a, at a film you look at a film like like uh the changeling where where the the spirits have their own kind of morality or or, or goal that is that is not necessarily evil or or otherwise it's just sort of it's more nuanced and i think that that is is more interesting um and this it's just sort of it doesn't make a lot of sense what do you think of it Corey? um yeah i didn't really i don't get it like it like you're saying like as an explanation it, it almost felt like spinning a wheel to determine why are there demons here and this was yeah. the one that it landed on <laughs> um world the ghosts of world war ii it's, it's yeah. just it's dizzying that that's the and especially like victims of world war ii it's just kind of dizzying that this is the end product yeah it felt like you could have put any reason in there and it would have like gotten you to the same the same setting um i think the thing that's actually a lot more compelling is the sequence where they realize that they they can be listened into but he is explaining the process of how he determined that the the séances were full of shit like that was a much like yeah, if the I like if the explanation That's was good. purely driven by like you don't even honestly uh, for, the, the for, deceit for example, aspect is interesting yeah, but the explanation right, but for is example, not for example it's like 
we don't know what's up with Bagul, right? Bagul's just Bagul, right? Bagul's Bagul's just a demon that exists. Like, if you just tell me, oh, this house is haunted, I'll just believe you, right? Like, we've established that In this alternate universe, Big T lost the barbecue showdown, and now he wants revenge. But if you just told me, like, Ghoul Marcus is a thing that exists, I'd be like, okay. Like, if the explanation they gave wasn't, like, oh, all this translated Polish that really upset this lady was, like, World War II, whatever, whatever, and you just said, like, I identified that this is a demonic force based on these parameters, and this demonic force that I have identified does XYZ thing, right? I don't need anything else. You you could... Like, explanations for, uh... Explanations for like demonic stories and stuff like this movies they always come across that way it's like i find it way scarier when it's just because it's like that house yeah like if know? he if not because of some like very nuanced historic thing that happened that is haunting it because that it's we don't see these things as real in real life yeah. right so it's like scary to us when it's unexplainable yeah i think I think the changeling might be an exception to that, where it's like it's tied to a specific event uh, that that taints a yeah, place. Yeah, but the changeling's not that good. Yo, shut the fuck up! Get the fuck out of my room. My my opinion on the changeling basically seems to be like your opinion on this movie. I thought it was. I thought it did a lot of things well, but it didn't hit. For real? Yeah. That's so disappointing. No, it's a good movie. I just didn't love it. Wow. For real? Yeah. Like, for real, for real? Yeah. No, okay. absolutely. All right. Okay. You lied to me all those summer nights? We stayed up talking about our love for the changeling? Man, I, I think that that's, like, one of the best ghost stories ever made. No, it's a good movie. I think it's sick. But, I mean, wow. it wasn't George C. Scott. I think you could give it to another capable actor and it would be good. But uh Peter Medak's a great director. Just to just to keep on on theme here. Um I think that yeah, we'll we'll leave this friendship to crumble outside. Yeah, Mitch can handle it. Um Cam is Cam is right. I I'm just I don't know, I haven't seen the change like whatever. You should yeah. watch it. I've got I've heard mixed I've, Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> um but uh From Cameron, don't believe but, uh, him. He's drunk. <laughs> so are you. But um <laughs> And I was drunk when I watched the change. <laughs> I I think that this movie's climax is greatly elevated if you leave the explanation out. Um and they could have quite easily. Even if the explanation was you used this Ouija board here and now the ghosts are mad. Like I didn't need anything else than that. That like, would have worked. Like that's you, that, that was the level that I was invested yeah, on to you, begin with, you, anyway. Right? I, they didn't you need that. You could greatly simplify it, and I think maybe it got overwritten for sure. Um, which is it, that also just feels weird because it feels like Flanagan has such a good sense of how to write the people that it's weird that it gets so bogged down in like other lore. Um, can somebody who has watched his TV shows answer a question for me? Um, because I've been getting the impression from how people are talking about it that those are very like character driven, um, things. 
is he really that worried about the horror stuff in those or is he more of just a character guy no uh i would say i would say he's absolutely concerned with the horror in okay. them. You, you can tell he's a huge horror fan and there are some wicked scares in those um and i feel that in this movie i can feel that he's he's getting delight out of yeah i think this movie has great scares them, i'm just curious if given that extended runtime it like where his priorities go I'd say his priority is with the character stuff, but uh, just like Stephen King, like Stephen King's priority is with character stuff, and then that makes the the scary stuff really hit, and uh, you can tell he loves he loves scaring people as well. So it's I'd say it's both. Yeah. Um, how do we feel? I guess before we get into like the scares, scares, like how do we feel about the family dynamic stuff in a more like specific sense? Like, was there any stuff that you liked? I I found just generally that as the movie went on, like the dynamic of the of the three of them like coalesced a lot more effectively like pretty quickly like it it manages to utilize a lot of like cliche structure to the point where it stops being particularly cliche and it starts just feeling like a really good use of the fundamentals and i feel like that is an important distinction where it's like there's a fine line between just like having the scene in your movie where like for example just like you know you are not so different you and me and then everybody rolls their eyes because they're like this is fucking stupid but if you can utilize something like that but in a way that still feels compelling then i don't care if you're using that and i think that's where this ultimately got i think i think some of it a lot of it feels derivative yeah right but it can it not be both derivative and good that's what I'm saying. What yes, I'm saying is... Yes, but I feel like a lot of it isn't. What is it? I feel like a lot of it just feels like paint-by-numbers demon movie. Right, but can it not be that and also good? <laughs> can it not be a very good use of that? I think it can be in some cases, but in this particular case, uh, I don't think a lot of it really like is. I don't. I don't think that... A lot of it like wows me. I think I think that it, it does some things really well, but other things not so well. Like I think um, uh, I think the mounting action uh, particularly just feels uh, done before and done better. Um, like what? Like define the mount. I just feel like you're being vague. Like 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 what? Sure. I I feel like like all like the the whole th- stuff with like the the priest coming into the relationship with the with the family right like um and finally the the changing of the tides or what you think might be the changing of the tides all of that feels like something that we've done before you know a trick from the man in the cloth and um it's it's just none of it feels like particularly fresh yeah, I don't think we're going to get... I think we're at an impasse because I feel like... Like, yeah, it's not... It's not, like, a new thing, but I think it's a very good example of that thing. Like, there are so many other movies, even that, like, we've watched, that takes, like, meat and potatoes structure or setup and is just the most lifeless piece of garbage in the world. And this has so much... This has life. To it be has sure. so much. Um, it it. I think the most important thing this movie has going for it is it feels like it is made by people who give a fuck about making it. Uh, for starters, mm-hmm. which goes an extremely long way, but beyond that, like I guess all I mean is that you can give me the version of the movie where the the priest shows up and like 
he's just sort of there and they do the, oh, I got to say Latin out of a book or whatever. And like, it's boring and I don't care. Or you can give me the version where they have to like go sneak into a bedroom and whisper that they're being spied on by ghosts. But I, this is how I found out that your daughter's being possessed by ghoul Marcus. And now we have to go do something. And I'm like, that's interesting. Or it's like, I can complain about the having to have the conversation where, um, you know, like, oh, you got to go pick up the daughter from the party she snuck out to and you got to wag your finger and you wake up the kid or whatever. And it's like, OK, every movie has that. But if you can do that in a way that's that's feels like considered and, and is well acted and feels like it is emotional weight. And then even if you're building on it with like ongoing cliches, like when they find out that their house is being foreclosed upon, it's like that's a very common thing. And then, you know, they go sit out on the porch and like you've seen this before, but the way that it's all coming together is not in a way that in itself feels inherently trite because it's a good example. And I think that like there's a level of care and craftsmanship going on that elevates the, the, the building block, the fact that it's using building blocks for these things. I think it's simultaneously that um, combined with performances from people that care. And then, um, a respect for its audience and a level of creativity to the scares itself. Um, so it's like, yeah, is it taking stuff that we've seen before? Sure. But like, there are so many worse movies that are doing that. I agree, but I'm not sure if that on it in itself, I'm not makes saying it, that's like, the only completely great, the, right? Like, I don't think it ever really rises above those building blocks. I think it? it just might do those blocks particularly well. I think in places it does, but, but like for me, I think it feels pretty generic. It, 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 yeah. I, I, again yes like completely I'm generic not i'm not saying it's bad i'm not saying it's right, bad but bad not, but i'm saying it's like a six star right, film six like stars out of what it's fine out six, of ten six stars but um it's out of five but um i'm not saying that it's inherently Fair. good just because other bad movies exist though like i'm also not saying that like i'm not just saying it's good because other movies are bad i'm saying different people can take the same things some of it's bad this is good though like i'm not just saying it's good because it's generic and also good i'm saying it does have generic things and i also think it's doing those well i don't think it's a hundred percent of the way doing that but you know i'll chime in here i think uh <clears throat> i think these characters are pretty fresh actually um uh well-rounded and and unique and lived in i think that it doesn't feel that way in the first few minutes of the movie when they're doing their little uh their little medium reading it it feels it feels like it's just a run of the mill ghost mo uh movie um intentionally so and then it turns out that they are the family is working together to um convince people that that their loved ones are talking to them from beyond the grave i think that's an interesting turn and then i think the movie does one more turn that that really puts these characters into perspective where uh it's revealed that they are not doing this to make money um or to get some sort of self-pleasure they are doing it um because they have lost someone very close to them and all they want is for other people to not feel the 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 grief and the pain that they feel. They desperately want to be connected to the person that they've lost, and they're they're not able to do that. It seems like they don't even believe in ghosts, really. The mom, I th at I least. I think there's an there's an aspect I think of of um, of making money and like and there's an aspect of commercialism I think to the grift, but but I think they also have all of that going on as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not it's not completely altruistic. I mean, this is this is how the woman makes a living. Um, but I guess she believes uh, in it, though. She she believes in the she, yeah, in she, the public good of the doing it. Yeah, and she so, does the and full so, freak show, and she believes in the freak show. Yeah, and so and so like she, I guess it's it's fair that she's getting she's getting paid for that. Um, I mean, <laughs> in fact, I think uh, you could kind of make that argument uh, for a lot of mediums where it's like maybe people don't actually believe what they are what they are paying for, but they're they're sort of uh, paying for the comfort and the connection. Um, I don't think that's really the angle this this movie is taking, but. Um, so I, I, I really like that, that depth in the characters. And then I think it's, it's explored with each of the three family members in a unique way in the, um, in the innocence, the naivete of, uh, of, uh, Doris, um, who uh is is uh the the perfect vessel for something to infect I'm just her a vessel she's, mm-hmm. she's this blank slate <laughs> she um, is very sympathetic i think her 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 character is yeah um, and then and then i like the the teenage girl who um has a lot more understanding of what's going on and she's struggling with whether it is it is the right thing to do and then we have the mother who is more certain that it's the right thing to do but but ma- she is also struggling with it and i love the scene where she sits down with a big t father tom at the restaurant they go on a date and it turns out that he has also lost someone close to him and and he's a pastor now he's he's devoted his life to uh perhaps doing doing a similar thing making people feel connection with something that uh that you can't necessarily talk to or see greater uh, than something that you can only feel um yeah and he's and he's doing it in a more socially acceptable way but they're both doing similar things and they're both doing things that they believe in and so i think a lesser movie wouldn't give all these characters uh such such uh uh sympathetic um motivations and and i like the way that that is explored all the way until the very end when these characters have to uh suffer the fate that they have to suffer through because like Corey said this is a prequel and they they have to get to that place and and i'm actually okay with that uh, with the with the place that they have to get to i i do think that um that was a very helpful explanation to help clarify sort of what my intent of getting at was in saying that it's taking something familiar and then i'm reluctant to use the word elevate especially in the horror context because it's kind of a useless phrase but um what i do mean is that like it's taking that and like you're saying a lesser movie might do something that doesn't feel as effective but this movie has the gumption to commit to trying to be more despite the bounds that ultimately let it down at the end how would you guys feel if in the last scene um well first i'll say this uh Mike Flanagan wrote a really great Tumblr post. He's active on Tumblr. Actually. Hell yeah, brother. Um, <laughs> he, he just, he responds to fans and sometimes it's just a, a quick answer. Sometimes he writes these long the essays. The man loves to tumble. Um, and so uh, before we, we landed on Weijin, Weijin, <laughs> uh, uh, Weijin origin of evil, um, but before we randomly landed on it, I actually had his Tumblr post open because he just the other 
the other week, I think, um, this week that just passed, he wrote a, a long sort of history of what it was like making this movie. Um, and I wanted to read it and I had it open. It was open on my phone for a few days and then we landed on this movie serendipitously. And so I, I read the essay before watching this movie to kind of get me in the headspace, think about what he was going for and then watch the movie. And I was hoping that it would this time I watched the movie with that in mind, it would it would make me love it the way I want to. And while I wasn't quite there, reading it did make me appreciate it. And I learned this this cool thing that um the last scene of this movie at the not the post credits thing, but the uh the in the mental hospital scene, that was originally written and and filmed and screened differently. The way that this went was that um the uh the character of lena she was she was in the in her hospital room um and she made the ouija board all the same and she tried to talk to doris and uh it was just a shot of her face and she would just say are you there are you there doris and doris wouldn't answer her and and that would be it that would be the end of the movie and that was mike flanagan's preferred ending and they screened that and jason blum went to him and said the audiences aren't aren't digging this it's it's too sad and too too slow we need to have a final scare and so mike flanagan begrudgingly uh did the what we have at the end of the movie where we get um doris returning possibly possessing lena and and that scare in the hallway and so i'm wondering how you guys would have felt about the the alternative ending if that would have changed uh your feelings either way what do you think Corey? i don't know if it would have oh in terms of changing my feelings i would have liked that a lot more um just because it's less prescriptive right like i would prefer the ambiguity and frankly yeah like the sadness um over the oh i guess they are just both possessed and the origin of evil was this girl using a Ouija board and then it happened later because uh oh demons but the idea that it's like you go through this terrible tragedy you get possessed by a demon and kill your mom and uh your sister is vanished and you're locked in an asylum and you are just like the the prospect of somebody just desperately reaching for something is really grim but as you've like very eloquently put already the whole movie thematically rests on the idea of putting this belief into something and hoping that you will get the reaction you're looking for or the connection that you're seeking and the emotions that you're hoping to feel and i think that it that ending would be a really interesting contrast to like um like you would have the showmanship angle the fuck around and find out angle, the religious angle, and then the what happens if the void can't answer. And I think leaving the audience with that thought, the much more real human experience that we do have is a much more effective button to tie it all on because it thematically closes the loop instead of just being like, LMAO, demons on the wall. Um, I, it would give the movie a much more considered appraisal of its whole overall concern. Do we know what the ending is that the, I mean, like the end credit scene, the post credit scene is doing with the call, that callback character? Because I understand it's a callback to the original film. Well, I think this is a prequel, right? So like, isn't it? 
Yeah. So is that old lady like does she have to get like does she have to like come out of retirement to like solve demons in Ouija? Uh I don't remember exactly how she's featured, but she is uh she is definitely a villain in Ouija. Like she is she's the person that they go to for advice um you know the the old She's person playing that has ag- been against this against type uh considering her role in insidious yeah 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 and then it's and then it's revealed that she is uh, of course possessed as we see in this movie so they learned that in in the original as well um yeah i my thing is that i i agree with you guys i would have liked that other ending better even though i think um as far as uh common horror movie endings go i do like the image of doris kind of sliding toward the the doctor on the ceiling i I think it's a striking image um but where where i kind of differ from what mike flanagan wrote and i wish i didn't differ like what what he says here in his article he says um you know they made him shoot this uh this uh cliched ending is what he says bad news mike the movie has a lot of cliches in it not just that (laughs) well yeah that's the thing he says uh we shot the film's current ending with doris's ghost on the ceiling of the asylum it's as rote and impersonal a horror movie ending as i can imagine but well it was ouija 2 for crying out loud and um a different thing he says uh this is a very long piece, so that that kind of makes it sound like he's uh, brushing well, it off. I think I think it's merely him recognizing like the, I guess like the trappings of, of like the canvas that he's, that he's working it, with him. Right? The, there's there's only so much you can do with Ouija too. I mean, I, there's there's lots of uh, rules and expectations from viewers and from producers, right? And I think so much of this film is definitely walking that line, that PG thirteen quota, and. Um, yeah, I think that that is a reality of the production with the film. And uh, the film definitely, I, I think, suffers in places because of those confines. I mean, he's recognizing it, but and I know it's a long piece and that's a slightly out of context line, but just like the reason I groaned is that so much of the work that he's putting in is to make the point that Ouija 2 can be more. So the idea of going, ah, we did that because obviously it's just this. It's like, well, no, you made a whole movie where you proved that it didn't have to just be that. That was the whole thing you just did. Yeah, like, yeah, and I think well, you know because because he did that, you know, I think he's allowed to say that about Ouija course, too. Yeah. That he was he was the one you know put through that ringer because here is another a little uh, excerpt from it. He says uh, after talking about how the movie grossed less than the first uh, Ouija movie. I, lo- I love that we're we're putting we're putting our foot down, calling it Ouija even after <laughs> we discussed what pre-pod how to pronounce it. When did that transition happen in this episode? I've always said it yeah. as Ouija. You've been Ouijaing from the beginning. No, Corey, I did so say Ouijas. I, I you, say yeah, Ouija. Ex- that's right. You just did it just wait, now. Wait, no, 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 that's what, wait. Are you incapable of saying <laughs> wait, wait, wait. it? I thought, I thought we said we were killing. Oh my like god! I thought we were going with the thing I've been saying. Well, we 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 have been, but I'm just saying. Oh, before Christ. we started the podcast, we established to you that the correct way to say it was Ouija. But I thought that's what I was saying. <laughs> I earnestly, I, in my head, I'm like, I've been saying it right this whole time. I can tell you've been say you've been thinking that because literally ten seconds ago you say, "No, I've been throwing in a couple Ouijas." Yes, you have, Corey. <laughs> Every single one has been a Ouija. Um, 
But so Mike Flanagan says, but man, believe me when I tell you I've got no regrets whatsoever. I had the time of my life making that movie. Sure, some people groan about the ending, but that was kind of our only job. Those were the cards we knew we had to turn over. Because by, hey, yeah. by that, he means he had a lot of creative control <laughs> otherwise. And, and he says, did you see everything that led up to that, though? Did you see what we got away with? So um, he's really proud of the character work and the uh, the filmic techniques used here um, to reference older movies. And while I like a lot of that stuff, too, I guess I, I disagree with him, uh, his implication that the ending is the only moment where the, the movie really dips into those uh, trite cliches that aren't very impactful. I think there's there's a good amount of that in the second half, and that's sort of what keeps me from from uh completely loving the movie i'm i'm in the same boat but i do agree that it's cool that he got away with as, oh, as yeah. much as he did it is it is, is very it got cool away that with? The, the film like in his own words yes I, I guess i just find that interesting like i guess now mike flanagan has much more of a reputation than he would have when he made ouija origin of evil but in my head i'm like i guess this is he did exactly the thing you would hire mike flanagan to do you know what I mean? But you wouldn't expect this from no, we- a Ouija I, I two agree, sequel. But what I mean though is, like in my head, I'm like, yeah, but you brought in the guy that does this, so of course that's what he did. Yeah, at, at that point, you didn't yeah. though. Like he he had one movie that was like a really low budget seventy thousand dollar movie, and then he had the movie Oculus, which was in theaters but didn't make much of a splash. Then he had a direct to Netflix movie that he kind of made uh with with his his uh wife that was a passion project um so he he definitely didn't have a theatrical hit he didn't have the cachet he had before i wake was still in uh um what do we call it Dis- distribution hell this was pre gerald's game pre doctor sleep pre all those tv shows yeah yeah for sure i don't know uh yeah it's a very this is a really interesting like case study movie i think um because I think you could go really deep in this if you wanted to. And I don't mean like picking it apart like thematically necessarily, like in like nitpicking frame by frame, but just unpacking like the like there's a film school like second year student essay to be written about like um the the case study of watching a movie actively wriggle against its own constraints in real time. Because you can feel the movie, like, bucking against having to be Ouija Origin of Evil, like, the whole time. And I'm not going to try to fix it. But then it has to be it has to be Ouija or Origins of Evil in, like, other times. Yeah, that's right? what like I it's, mean. Like, it's, it's, not it's a, like, it, yeah. it, it, it wants to and does succeed in being more, but in other moments it can't help but be reminded that it has to be what it is in name as well. And I think I think that's a shame because I would love to see it it's clear that there's so much else that's really going for well, this movie. The good movie. news is he brought 90% of the cast back and made The Haunting of Hill House, which was a smash hit. So I'm True. assuming like that's probably what that show is. It really is. I really do think of this that show a lot when I watch this. It deals with a lot of the same themes and I truly am getting choked up. <laughs> it's beautiful. beautiful. I'm not really, yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm, it couldn't, couldn't happen at a better yeah, moment. It's a beautiful I'm show. I'm willing to bet that this was a dry run in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. where the swing yeah. comes from, right? Like taking the swing. Cause then if you have, if you're Mike Flanagan, you have this in your pocket to show to studios, 
right? And be like, here's not as a literal proof of concept, but it's like, here's what I can do when I'm making Ouija origin of evil. You know, what if you let me really, really sure. fucking go yeah. for it? Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I think it's cool. Um, and I, I feel like, uh, the one thing that we didn't get super specific on, and I know we've been going for quite a while, but, um, uh, I, I respect this movie's disinterest in the boyfriend as well. I think it's funny. I think it's he, funny that he shows. He is a character that they don't they don't do yeah, a whole he lot. He shows with. up. He's a and I f- like why is he there and why is he putting his whole his hand in the hole in the basement? Because he's why? a perfectly nice boy who's not really up to anything too bad, and and, and he scared. gets hanged for it by a demon and then gets possessed into getting his corpse body slammed into his girlfriend running up the stairs. Also, cool. I was shocked that that visual was in the movie too. Actually. The, the hanging? just like a casual background hanging and then using a corpse as a bludgeon i was i was like yes, that's pretty that fucking was, gnarly that was hilarious and i tell you what um that's definitely a dry run for hill house there's a gnarly hanging scene in hill okay. house so so I'd, i'm not really uh not not too surprised it's cool to see it here and yeah i like that they they bring him in i think they do round him out nicely i think he uh he gets some some good scenes, but he doesn't overstay his welcome. Yeah. And I think this movie has a really nice conservation of characters, where you get the family, you get the you get Big T, the pastor, um, and then you get the boyfriend, and and really uh, that's it. You get a few other um, like you get their friends at the at the party where they use the Ouija board, and and maybe a. a a different movie would have had those teens be the focus, but we kind of, we already had that movie. So I think it's smart that this focuses on the family. We get, we get the boyfriend to drive, to kick that climax into high gear, but then we're back on the family again. And I think the family stuff in, in the end, even though I'm not wild about some of the, uh, the the demon effects and the way that's paced out i really love the way that the the family perishes and the way they've kind of got a they've got to kill it's each brutal other very um, suddenly i i think it's i think it's awesome and, and really emotional yeah if you guys watch uh haunting of hill house the the family dynamic like in that show is certainly the strongest part of it at least like a lot of good scares, but like I, I love when I'm, it's like there's a horror story that is very just embedded in the family dynamic, and without the family dynamic, it doesn't really mean much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's it's such a such an awesome driving force in that in that show, and it's got the time to really uh, develop it. Do we want to leave it there? Yeah. I, again, I don't have that much to say w- about the film uh, beyond what I've already said, yeah. which was fairly extensive. Um, which was pretty extensive, yeah. I'm sure not all of it was articulate, but I can blame that on Big Classic T. Big T. And barbecue showdown. <laughs> what what he made you do to yourself. Wow, I was just happy for him. Listen, Big <laughs> T on the the final episode he had a hundred years of shared experience family lineage in barbecuing that he had to prove on that line that to me 
is a brilliant that, family that drama. To me I think one is, of the best family dramas I've seen unfold on television. Is Origin of Evil. <laughs> and I've seen yeah, The Haunting they of have, Hill House. They have like Ari Oster writing uh, season three of The Barbecue <laughs> Showdown. From what I've heard is they're going to barbecue the daughter's head from her. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And so down. Probably be delicious. How are they going to put some peanuts in there? Personally, I think she'd be a good honey gar. But you could also do like the peanut coconut milk just to spite. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean like a, like a peanut, like curry kind of vibe. Peanut coconut milk. Yeah, like if you if you make like a peanut if you make like a peanut curry, right? Like or like a saute or something. Like it's you're gonna have like notes of like like peanuts like in the curry, but you're also gonna have like a, a blend of aromatic spices, cardamom, what cinnamon, part of cloves, turmeric. Uh, well, you're gonna, <laughs> the, the the coconut milk is the fat that rounds it out in the back with like the peanut. I uh, clearly you've never had a. Tell me you've had a curry without. You've never had a curry. I mean, that's what Just, it sounds. No, what, what I'm, what I'm Sound- yucking is you saying peanut coconut milk. Peanut coconut that milk. Sucks so bud. bad, dude. You're getting me hungry, Mitch. It sounds so good to me. You cook that up. You cook that up on the <laughs> yeah. grill. You cook that up on the grill. You invite Big T over. You put a spear through that. You cook it over some embers with some peanut, some coconut milk, bit of turmeric, bit of like. Caram Marsala, but a couple of other spices. You've got you've got cloves, you've got cinnamon, you've got cardamom, you've got all these other things going on in the background. Maybe you could slather her in ghee as well. <laughs> It'd be delicious. Liam, what are we gonna do next week? I'm asking because I'm assuming you're not going to opt to use the William Castle film genera, but maybe I'm wrong. No, yeah, no film no film castle genero for film me. Film castle genero. Yeah, it's been a long episode. I'm trying to shorten things wherever I can. That's understandable. It has been a doozy. Um, no, I, I, I picked this one myself. Um, what I want to do next week with you guys, I make no promises as to the quality of the film, but I do have faith in uh, the content of the discussion. So next week, I would love if we talked about the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Really? Oh, well, thanks so much for inviting me, guys. I'll 100% be there. I would love it if you were. Yes, really, Corey. I make no apologies. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Um, huh. Interesting. That was so not... When you said you needed to look up a full movie title, the degree to which that was not what I thought you were going to say, like, cannot be understated. I'm very here for this because in a couple of weeks, I have another... uh, off the beaten path one up my sleeve sweet i mentioned it in the chat and it has to do with action figures that are made by lego that wear masks dang okay cool um are you ready kids um get it aye aye captain this is gonna be a great i heard episode. you i heard you plenty well um mitch you have anything you want to plug oh We'll never know, which is the crazy part. Um, Is Cam still here? No. Do you want to plug anything? Go long got anything coming up? Anything we should know about? Uh, Next week, I'm going to be appearing on the They Made Another One episode about 
that SpongeBob <laughs> And I hope you guys. That's good looking out. Thank you so much. Um, go stream uh songs on on Spotify by the band Go Long, as well. You should do that. I'll put that in the episode description. Yeah. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you would like to plug? I have a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mall. Uh, you should also go open your Spotify and stream songs uh, by the band Guest Room Status. That's that's already in our episode descriptions, but they'll both be there. It's in every episode. I added it in uh, when the EP came out, and I just haven't taken it out. Um, no, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, a pastel heart, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. Um, if you go to mortalcombatconquest.ca, all of those things will be there. You can also listen to the other two podcasts that I make, the first of which is a MK Podquest, which I make with our friend Neil. Uh, we have an episode coming up that we chose as a joke, and neither one of us thinks we are actually going to physically be able to make it through the movie, but we're going to try. So... You guys are doing Sponge on the yeah, Run, too? so stay tuned for that. And uh, Strat 2 is back after an un- unintentional hiatus. So if you'd like to hear me and Callum talk about F1, if you go to MortalCombatConquest.ca, it's all there, um, including this show. And thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us in, in a new spot. Reminder, we are on Instagram now at They Made Another. It's the primary way to interact with us on social media. We have reels going up there. We've got pictures. We've got videos. We've got text. We've got jokes. Everything you want, nothing you don't. Um, and if you've got anything actually specific that you do want, we weren't able to record in person this week, so we're, we might be a little bit limited. But um, if there's any bits you're, you're curious about in the process or any stupid shit you want us to do, with for an instagram reel let us know we'll probably do that you can do that at tmao podcast at gmail.com recommendations future episodes questions comments it's all there i'm open for breakfast uh update recommendations breakfast update well. recommendations would be great um we're also on letterbox that tmao but it hasn't been updated since like april of 2021 or something insane like that uh since like the maniac episode or something uh so it's been a while but uh you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, whatever service you use. Also, on that service that you use, rate us five stars. Last time I said that on an episode, our number of five-star ratings on Spotify actually did go up. So maybe you just need a reminder. Go rate the show five stars. Tell a friend about it. Tell your mom about it. She's already watching Haunting of Hill House. Have her listen to this episode. Thank you so much. Is that the SpongeBob chocolate telling her mom to go listen? I remember when they first invented chocolate. I always hated it. See, this is going to be a great episode. Chaos. Uh, Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Um, And with all that out of the way, my leg. Next week. Oh, they made another one. (laughs) 
that's just such a good contrast. Like to think of her, the the last at the end of this movie making the homemade Ouija board like on a psych ward floor with blood, and then there's like the flip side of that is making a Ouija board on a on a frozen pizza box. <laughs> <laughs> 